It is the Colby Daniels podcast, and it is finally game week for the Oklahoma Sooners as we get ready for an 11 a.m. Stop me if you've heard that before. I am joined by one of my uh, favorite. I, do I call you a beat reporter, Colin? Recruiting what, analyst. What do you prefer as your title? Whatever your urge to call me, man, at okay. this point. The titles don't even matter. Okay. We're just here to talk football. All right. So he covers Oklahoma. He's a recruiting analyst for uh, OU 24-7 Sports. You can find him at OUinsider.com. He is Colin Kennedy. I did a television appearance about a month ago, and I was asked if Oklahoma was getting overhyped coming into the season. And my answer was absolutely not. They deserve every bit of the hype that they are receiving coming into the season. And I went as far as to say... I think this is a championship or bust type year. And I hate that term because it kind of sounds like if you don't win the title, like it's just a complete disaster and the coaching staff needs to be fired. And, and I don't mean it from that perspective, but I just simply mean it from the perspective of they have everything that is needed to win a national championship. Obviously, you have to get lucky along the way. You have to survive the injury bug. And there are a bunch of different things that have to go your way to win a national championship. But my point being they have every ingredient for that recipe to come together. Exactly. I 100% agree. This is the most clear-cut path for Oklahoma to win a national championship for the first time in a while. I mean, when you look not only at what Oklahoma is returning, both of the quarterback spot and then various skill positions and in the trenches, this roster is as loaded as you'll find across the country. And I think that's also important to keep in mind when you – put into comparison what else is going on in the world of college football right now. I mean, Alabama, all the fresh starts that we're seeing in the Crimson Tides depth chart, Ohio State obviously starting fresh at quarterback and some defensive concerns. Clemson, another program that's working in a new quarterback there with also some holes to replace. Georgia, Notre Dame, the list goes on and on. Some of these blue blood programs towards the top are in unique situations they typically don't face, whereas Oklahoma right now is in a very comfortable position and returning about as much experienced talent as you'll find across the country. And so I'm 100% with you, man. All the preseason hype is incredibly warranted, but it sets the justifiable preseason expectations for a team that should go out and compete for a national championship. And if they don't at least win their first college football playoff game, I mean, something went wrong in my opinion. Yeah, I think if that's the case, we're talking about, you know, you lose your quarterback somewhere along the way or you lose like a massive difference maker or multiple difference makers along the way. Or some of the things that maybe we just somewhat take for granted, like, you know, question marks on the offensive line, like nobody's really panicking about that sort of thing simply because like we trust that Bill Biedenboe is going to put together a good unit. And and look, I know that they have a lot of depth, but there's not a defined five guys that we for sure know are going to be the guys at this point. So I think it's, it's probably a combination of those things taking place. But, um, you know, as somebody that covers this team, what is your excitement level for this season compared to the, the last few years? Is it the same? Is it more because of the elevated expectations? I think it's as high as it's ever been in terms of excitement level, not just because of, what Oklahoma is facing going into the year. But I think you look at college football in general right now, I think you have to argue this is about as wide open of a race as we've seen in the sport for quite some time. And so then you add that into the fact that Oklahoma is definitely one of the contenders to kind of break that streak where we're typically now used to seeing Alabama and Clemson just basically brawl it out at the end of the year. This is definitely as excited I've been to see how an Oklahoma season pans out simply because, again, not only what is returning on the roster, but also – 
some of the unique situations that are taking place across the country. And so for me, I mean, if you want to set it from a scale of one to 10, I think it has to be an 11 or 12. Another reason because <laughs> we're finally loaded stadiums back. I mean, yeah. we're going to have those players returning. I, I'm one of the takes that's been flying around by Josh Pate, the director of video at 24 seven sports that I wholeheartedly agree with. I think we're definitely headed for a renaissance year in college football and Oklahoma is definitely a major portion of that grand picture. So I, I'm really excited to get this thing going, man. It couldn't get here fast enough. I know everybody looks at a preseason poll differently. And, and look, for the most part, I think they're they're pretty worthless. But the way I look at a preseason poll is it boils down to what are the known elements of a football team versus the unknown elements of a football team. And if you're a team that was top five the year before and you bring back like significantly more and especially at key positions than somebody else, like you're going to get ranked higher for me. Uh, and like I said, it just, it, it boils down to like kind of a known versus unknown. And with Oklahoma bringing back as much as they did from last year with seeing the improvements on, on defensively as a whole, seeing the improvement with Spencer Rattler from game one to the final game of the season. And then, like you said, looking at Alabama, First-year starting quarterback. Again, we all expect that Bryce Young is going to be really good, but he's going to have to go through some of those same trials that that Spencer Rattler did a year ago. DJ Uyunglele, I think is the correct pronunciation. Uh, you know, he got a couple starts a year ago, but it's not... You can see that, obviously, the guy's insanely talented, but it's not like he had that Clemson offense humming up and down the field. There is a process uh, involved in becoming a first-time starting quarterback and and gelling with your teammates and and running an offense and doing all the, the correct things. Ohio State, like you said, also breaking in a brand-new quarterback. Oklahoma, not only finally in the trenches, can match up with the premier teams in college football, but at the most important position on the field... You know, they've had an advantage in the past with guys like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, but I, I wouldn't say it's it's by a large margin necessarily. I mean, you know, we debated the Kyler Murray to a tongue of Iloa Heisman candidacy to the final weekend of the season. This year, it's literally a guy that we've seen play an entire season of college football compared to brand new starters at the premier programs in college football. Yeah, and I think it's important to keep two things in mind. I'm glad we, again, reiterate some of these new guys that are working into the spot because, again, quarterback is what's going to help you be highly ranked. And I think the other part of this, too, is we talk about all these new starters. Oklahoma, both at the quarterback position and across the board, has what you really need to contend for a national championship, and that's depth. I mean, whether you want to look at specifically the quarterback spot, Spencer Rattler, obviously the guy, Caleb Williams, and we'll get into these quarterbacks here in a second. But then across the board, I think when you look at some of these other programs, there are serious question marks in terms of the depth that they face, not only at the quarterback position, but in other skill positions or trench positions on the field right now. And that's not, again, something that we're typically used to seeing from most of the Blue Bloods in college football. So then when you factor that in and you understand Oklahoma has several guys on this roster that they feel they can rely on, that's, again, what puts them so highly ranked in all of these preseason polls. And whether you whether or not you really want to take them into consideration I think it's definite indicator that this is a more unique roster than we've ever seen in Oklahoma. This is not a program that's used to having that caliber of depth across the board, at least from a perception perspective. And I think it will show as the season goes on. And if they're able to stay healthy, if they're able to keep guys fresh and showcase this depth and talent, again, they're going to stay towards the top of those rankings for several weeks to come. It, this this sounds like a crazy question and – if it is, let me know. But are, do you have more confidence going into the season in the OU offense or the OU defense? I think I would definitely have more confidence right now 
more so in the Oklahoma offense. And I don't, I know the defense is getting a lot of preseason hype and justifiably so. I am definitely someone who is high on this unit as a whole. But I think what tips the scale for me is I think Spencer Rattler is really, really good. And I, I think he's someone who did not get his due towards the end of last season. I mean, again, we'll break down the quarterbacks here in a second, but we're talking about a guy who, if his receiving core doesn't lead the nation and drops, he has one of the best first-year starting type seasons we've ever seen. Yeah. And I mean, I think this guy has as pure of an arm as Oklahoma has seen even in the midst of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, some of those guys, I, I think Spencer Rattler is a really strong talent. And then you consider some of the depth that is there. Yes, the offensive line is question mark, but I think the defense has question marks as well. And so understanding that you have the kind of player that can tip the scale and lead you to a championship is what ultimately gets me to favor the offense at this time. But I do think that if Oklahoma does win the national championship, it will be on the shoulders of the defense in the end. I certainly, at the tail end of last season, felt like the defense was the more consistent unit. I felt like if we were going to have confidence in one unit or the other playing a certain brand or degree of football, like it, like it's crazy to me, but it was the defense at the end of the year last year. And I, you know, I, I have massive expectations for that group. And like you said, with the question marks, do you feel like there are more question marks with the offense or do you feel like there are more question marks with the defense? Because you know, having confidence in one unit or the other is one thing, but also being able to legitimately ask those questions is is something separate. Yeah, I, obviously we're going to get into who's on the roster now, but I think it's important to kind of circle back and understand who isn't there, yeah, right? And I for sure, Oklahoma offense, yes, they lose Creed Humphrey and Adrian Ely. They lose Ramondre Stevenson, but there's talent on the roster, in my opinion, that can step in and fill in well for those types of presences. Whereas on the defensive side of things, Ronnie Perkins is the dude who stepped in and basically reignited this season. Now, Ramondre Stevenson also obviously had a ton to do with that. But Perkins was that guy who provided that unblockable presence on the perimeter. And he basically elevated this entire team. And so when you lose a leader like that, then you lose Trey Brown. You lose Trey Norwood. You lose some really crucial presences in the secondary. I think right now the defense is definitely probably the more reliable unit. But I also see there being a lot more questions right now simply because of who's not there anymore. And so, again, we'll get into who's trying to step into these roles. But knowing that these roles are vacated is what really does it for me. Absolutely. All right, let's let's talk QBs. Uh, Spencer Rattler is the uh, odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Spencer Rattler is the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick in the next NFL draft. Like, this guy basically has been anointed as the chosen one. And I, I think one of the fun parts about last season was literally watching the growth from this guy and the development uh, and, and the experience from week to week. I mean, we were watching it literally every week, him taking steps in the right direction. And I know a lot of fans were really upset about those those games early and some of the mistakes he made in those games. But you, you referenced it a little bit ago. I mean, the amount of drops, especially down the stretch of the season... Uh, were not helpful to his cause. And I think by the end of the year, he looked like a completely different guy than the guy we saw leading up to the Texas game. Uh, again, I think this is your Heisman Trophy winner this year. I I'm going ahead and putting my money down on Spencer Rattler to take home the trophy because this guy is really, really good. And I think it's very easy for people to kind of take shots at him because of the documentary that was shot of him when he was a, what, 16-year-old? or when he steps in into a COVID year and he's basically yeah. asked to fight a pandemic and take over one of the most complex offenses in all of sports. I mean, like 
give this guy a break, man. There were some throws he made last year, Colby, where I would look at people and be like, that's a big league throw. Like he is making professional caliber passes look easy. And again, I mean, with his receiving core leading the nation in touchdown drops, I just, again, feel like we would have talked about this guy in a much greater light had some of these statistic aspects worked out in his favor. Now, having that in consideration going into this year, I think the sky's the limit for Spencer Rattler. I really do. I think the maturity, the more normal offseason, which I think is so important to take into consideration, is going to definitely benefit him in the long run. And I feel like the the confidence that's now instilled in him, some of the things he's going to be able to accomplish. And again, I mean, this guy is now through an offseason where, again, not only is it more normal, but he definitely got a chance to get bigger, faster, stronger. And so if you add even more mobility to his game, th- this guy can really do whatever he wants to, in my opinion, whenever he takes the field come September 4th. I think, again, it'll have a lot to do with that offensive line we'll talk about here in a second. And it'll have a lot to do with those receivers who will have to step up and someone will have to be that alpha guy. But Spencer Rattler, from a pure quarterback standpoint, and I really do think as a leader as well, I think he's as good as it gets. And when you look across the country, as much as people want to ridicule this guy and scrutinize his every move, you can't tell me there isn't a single program in college football right now who wouldn't mind having him on the roster. So I'm excited about his ceiling this season. I think, again, he's going to be in New York holding that trophy up. Absolutely, I agree. And I think you nailed it with that final part. You know, although we were able to actually watch the, you know, the skills and the decision making and all that stuff improve from game to game last year. Something like leadership is not easily quantifiable. And I think when you have a guy that is a first-time starter, that's a tough thing anyway. But to also go into a year as a first-time starter in the conditions that he did and you have all these variables thrown into the equation, you know, I I feel like having all of that under his belt now and a legitimate offseason as the guy having experience and, and having gone through this once and the guy that everybody's looking to is also not only going to elevate his game, having the confident confidence in himself from a leadership standpoint, but also everybody around him knowing that he can be that guy for them. Yeah, and again, I think towards the beginning of last season, justifiably so, this guy was looking for someone to help him out as he tries to ease in to his new role. And that's why you saw some of those early struggles because Oklahoma, for a roster that it was, I don't know that it necessarily had someone who could step in and make Spencer Rattler's job look a lot easier. I thought the offensive line struggled immensely towards the beginning of the, of the year. I thought, obviously, the receiving core had a ways to go. So Spencer Rattler, it was really on his shoulders alone to come into his own and take on all this responsibility. And he did. That's what you saw, like you're mentioning, towards the end of last year. And I think just the simple benefit of being able to now take all that experience digest it, go through it in a more normal offseason, and then take this field in the fall knowing he is the guy, knowing what he has to do, and knowing the people around him, having that trust in them as well. Because, again, the chemistry that's built over the offseason is so crucial, and it wasn't necessarily there going through the COVID period. This guy is going to do some really special things in the fall for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. And I think, I hope at least, the level of appreciation that Rattler deserves will be found at the end of 2021. Um, I, I feel like I need to come up with uh, some sort of like sound effect that like warns people that sarcasm is coming because anytime I do the sarcasm thing, inevitably there's somebody that like doesn't get it and then they fire something back at me and I'm like, sarcasm, man, come on. I thought it was obvious, but the sarcastic comment I was about to make is, I mean, all of that is obtainable for Spencer Rattler if he's able to hold on to his starting job 
throughout yep. this season because there was some tweet earlier this week from some Yahoo, I think, in the SEC uh, that said, like, there are people that expect that Caleb Williams is going to take the starting role this this season. Did you see that? Did you catch that thing? Oh, oh, oh there are there have been Reddit posts that are stirring up the board there <laughs> like that where people just believe anything. I mean, you're telling me sports fans are being literal this time of year. Again, I, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of this thing. The season itself cannot get here fast enough because we're going to be able to squash all of these rumors, including Caleb Williams starting quarterback for Oklahoma. Which, by the way, I like. I don't know how you couldn't have a man crush on Caleb Williams' <laughs> abilities as a quarterback. Like, I'm not not downplaying that whatsoever. But the guy's going to oh. be a stud when he finally gets his turn. It's just, I, I think, barring significant injury, it's not this season. Yeah, look, here's the thing. This is a luxury on both ends of this, right? I mean, if you're Oklahoma, you have the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school sitting directly behind your superstar signal caller. So you know that in the event of something goes wrong, you have a guy that you feel like can go win you a lot of football games. But on the flip side of this, and I think it was a point made by you the last time we chopped it up, I mean, Caleb Williams now as a true freshman is going to be required to prepare like he's one snap away. And so that's going to directly impact his development as a first-year guy. And in the event he does have to step in, guess what? He's been preparing for that type of moment the entire year through. So Caleb Williams, from a tools perspective, like you said, there is a reason this guy was the number one quarterback in the country, both on the field and off the field. He is nothing short of special. And I think this is another guy who somewhere down the line will probably be hosting his own uh, Heisman Trophy party, if you will. But for right now... This guy's got to wait his turn. He's got to prepare. He's got to develop. And I think that this is a really valuable opportunity for him, considering the timing of it all. Just be one snap away. Don't have that true freshman approach. Be sure that you're preparing like a true backup quarterback. And if you're needed this year, then go capitalize on that opportunity. If it's next year or the year beyond that, I have every belief that Caleb Williams is going to be that guy who leads Oklahoma to really special heights. So he's he's a really good football player, man. He's a really good dude, too. So I think a lot of people are justifiably pulling for him whenever that time comes. Colin, Oklahoma might have, and I, I you, you can dispute this, but they might have the best one-two running back punch in all of college football. But look, I'd be lying if at this point I, I said, like, I'm, I'm a little worried about the depth. And, and, you know, maybe five months ago we were like, how are all these guys going to get touches? And as we enter game week, like, that's, it's a real concern what you have beyond those two guys. Yeah, I would say with definite, I mean, this is the best one-two punch in a running back room that features like three guys. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you really only have so many options, but those top two, they're pretty darn good. <laughs> but, you, know, you know how I feel about both of these guys. Yeah. I think Eric was the dude that I was campaigning for whenever he entered the transfer portal and then eventually moved over to Oklahoma. At the time, his transfer in seemed maybe not the best move. I know a lot of people were still in the Kamar Wheaton phase of life. But Eric Gray is a truly special talent. And what he was able to accomplish at Tennessee in an offense that basically went run on first down, run on second down, run on third down, punt, this dude was still one of the more special playmakers and one of the most difficult conferences in football. He's already proven his worth, whether that's during the spring game or in summer workouts or now in fall camp. This guy's going to be that kind of player that elevates Oklahoma's offense, both from the running game and the passing game. And then Kennedy Brooks, I mean – I always say it. He makes eight yard looks like four. He's one of the most boring running backs in all sports, but he gets his business done. And that's what all you can ask for in the Oklahoma system, especially if you're going to be flexing out Eric Gray into, say, the slot or the perimeter side of things. Brooks is just going to be able to go downhill, make sure that the chains are moving. 
and at the end of the day, I think that you want to talk about guys who their level of appreciation should return in the eyes of the fan base. Kenny Brooks taking a year off. This is going to remind a lot of people just how good of a football player he is. Because I full, I fully believe, even though he's going to go about it a probably pretty boring way, he's going to put up some really strong statistics this season. And so, yes, the depth is a really grave concern. You at least know what you're getting in the top two, and what you're getting in the top two will probably be two of the best running backs in not just the Big 12, but in all of football. Like, we've we've now reached this point where it's like, you can expect that Oklahoma's going to have a great quarterback. You can expect that Bill Biedenboe is going to figure out some sort of combination on the offensive line that's winning. And you can expect that you're going to go from, like, five or six really talented running backs to two or three at some point in the season, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like running back injuries are just a casualty that Oklahoma faces every single year. So I, I'm kind of getting tired of talking about it, man. It's like, we used to laugh about this stuff, and now it's like, Again, really, they don't have another body in that backfield. I don't know. Hopefully, they address that question mark eventually. Yeah. Injuries, dismissals, eligibility issues—like it's just—it's one thing after another. It seems like every year uh, within that group. Um, all right, offensive line. I mentioned Bill Beatenbow. Like I have all the confidence in the world that Oklahoma is going to be good on the offensive line. That said, like it's—it's. It's, I think if you want to say that the offensive line is a question mark, or you want to question like. Like I said, the knowns versus the unknowns, I, I think that's also fair to look at it from that perspective. I, I definitely think this is a question mark up front because obviously the offense didn't lose too much, but they did lose two guys along that offensive line. And when you're losing two out of five starters, especially arguably two of your best, that's a big deal, man. I mean, Creed Humphrey, obviously what he meant to the program, not just as the center in an incredibly difficult offensive scheme to, to man that position, but who he was as a leader and a team captain, that's going to set this team back a little bit, at least for the first couple of weeks, in my opinion. And then you obviously look at Adrian Ely. Adrian Ely is just a really solid tackle. I think when you look trying to replace those guys, what they mean, I also kind of look at it like this. Not only did they lose that, but that Oklahoma's kind of been searching for a true presence at tackle since they won the Joe Moore Award. I mean, if you really look back on it, the outside positions at OU have not necessarily been solidified since they won that trophy. And I mean, at one point, we skim over this like it was just nothing, but R.J. Proctor comes in as a transfer from Virginia who's probably got a pretty decent ceiling at guard, and that guy has asked to play left tackle for several games, including championship environments. Like, that should not have happened. And since then, I don't think that things have really settled down. And so you look at this offensive lineman, there are names that you know, and I think that provides a level of comfort. But I still think there's a lot unproven here, and I still think there's also some shuffling to be done because – I mean, we talk about maybe the interior lineman guys, Tyrese Robinson, Marquise Hayes. I'm not going to put it out of the question for Tyrese Robinson to start at right tackle at some point this year. And then that puts Chris Murray in at right guard. And then that's a guy coming in from UCLA who is going to have to capitalize on his opportunity. And so then you just wonder, like, is Anton Harrison going to take that step? Is Eric Swenson going to play his best football in what feels like his Perry Ellis year? I don't know, year 10, 12. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. And then obviously we've got Andrew Rame, who – Lincoln Riley highlighted during his signing day is probably the best prospect Riley had seen in the state of Oklahoma since his time at OU. And, and that's not that's not light praise by any stretch. But at the same time, considering what we know and what is asked of the center position in this scheme, that's a really tough spot to man, especially when you spent most of your high school career at either tackle or guard. And so I definitely see this as a questionable position group. I haven't even mentioned Wanya Morris, the transfer in from Tennessee, who I think obviously he's getting a lot of preseason hype and I believe he was named to an all big 12 preseason team as well. 
But that guy's got a lot of work to do. I mean, he's not coming from the best situation. He had a lot of struggles and adversity to deal with at Tennessee. And then he comes in and there's still a lot of teaching going on there. And so this offensive line, you can make the argument, will ultimately have a key deciding factor in how this season goes on. Like you mentioned, Bill Beanboat, that's a guy you trust to figure things out. But even when they won the Joe Moore Award, it felt like that group took about five weeks to get solidified. If that group took five or six weeks to come into its own, how long is it going to take this group? Because it's a lot of shuffling pieces right now. I was I was about to say, give me your your best guess as to the group that we see in week number one, and then percentage chance that's the same group like two weeks later. Because I I one thousand percent believe we will see reshuffling. The biggest question is who's going to get the first opportunities. I guess. Uh, yeah, I, it's a tough question to ask. I mean, if I had to give you a pure guess, I think you're seeing Morris on the blind side with Hayes next to him, Raym right there, and then. I'm still kind of wondering if they're going to go Murray at right guard and Robinson at right tackle simply to rely on the experience factors. Also, Robinson has apparently had a really strong offseason and kind of getting his body in the check. And so if you roll those five guys out, you probably feel pretty decent about your your odds, especially considering, I mean, the first couple of games are what I would call a cakewalk, to put it lightly. But then you go a couple of games in, and I just don't know that I would even put much of a percentage chance that that's the same group that rolls out there whenever you're taking on like Oklahoma state. So this, there's a lot of question marks here, man. And, and that's not something we're typically used to saying about a, a bill beating offensive line, but I, I reiterate it and I will continue to the tackle spot has still kind of been a question that the group itself has not always played to the level that the coaching staff sets its expectations at. And, and so going into a year where you're, you're hoping to play for a national championship, these are your best odds. You got to win battles up front. And if they can't, I mean, it's going to be really difficult to reach those heights. The pass catchers a year ago, as we already referenced, uh, I thought let Spencer Rattler down quite a bit, uh, especially down the stretch of the season. Um, Look, there is talent oozing out of that position group. I mean, everywhere you look, there's a dude that could be like a go-to guy, like go win us the ball game. The question is like, who's going to embrace that? And I think, you know, Marvin Mims took the right steps in year number one to be that guy. But like, you know, are those guys going to, turn into trustworthy, consistent pass catchers that, you know, aren't going to let you down in, in third down situations. And uh, that, that Spencer Rattler, if he's going to be the guy that we think he's going to be, is not going to have any hesitancy to, to throw to those dudes. Yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating question. It's another really interesting type of concern when you evaluate this Oklahoma offense. I mean, who's going to be the alpha dog? Who's going to be the guy that bails Spencer Rattler out? let's say, if the offensive line is struggling early on. And for a majority of last season, that guy was Marvin Mims, right? And I wasn't necessarily all that surprised. I I was definitely surprised by the strong year that he had. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Mims to be that kind of player this early on in his career. But at the same time, Mims is someone who, from an intellectual perspective, from a route running perspective, he just knows how to get open. And, And so... When you add in that he's going to have another year under his belt of a true, more normal weight room training, summer workout program, and then a fall camp session, I think Mims is going to be one of the better returning players in college football. I I would not be surprised to see him take over that top dog role and really emerge as the guy for OU. That being said, though, like you mentioned, there are a number of other candidates in this receiving core. I I want to see what some of these dudes from that class back in 2019 – are going to do. Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weiss. I mean, Theo Weiss was kind of the chain mover, if you will. He was that guy that 
Spencer Rattler looked to at times when they needed a third down conversion. And I thought Weiss was kind of sure-handed at times, but he also was a guy who definitely was not avoiding of drops all the time. And then you look at Jaden Hazelwood. Jaden Hazelwood, the adversity this guy has faced throughout the course of his career, it just feels like at some point this guy is going to pop. And I would probably anticipate this being that season. He's He's settling in. He's starting to understand what he needs to do. And I think he's getting back into that physical form we know him to be. And when he's at full go, he is a dominant presence on the perimeter just because of how big and athletic he is. I want to see what those two do. I want to see what Mike Woods does. I mean, this might be one of the more overlooked transfers in all of football. I would argue him and Jamison Williams, two wide receiver transfers of the offseason, Williams going to Alabama and then obviously Woods going to Oklahoma. These are two guys who, if they step into alpha dog roles, will put up some ridiculous statistics. Now, Woods obviously kind of had to be that second guy, but behind a guy named Traylon Burks, who at Arkansas is pretty darn good. That being said, you look at this Oklahoma receiving core, we can't put it past Woods to elevate to the number one guy. He should be one of the more prime candidates to be the top dog. But if he's not there, then he's at least going to be a very reliable second option, right? I think he looks the part. He has some of the statistical production you look for. It's now on him to elevate his game and meet the the standard that is the Oklahoma wide receiver position. You got Drake Stoops coming back, which I think is something that's kind of overlooked. That was a guy who was really reliable at times as well when they needed to play like the Texas game. Maybe the most reliable. Exactly. And then you go to Mario Williams, and I – I I'm glad you brought him up before I had to ask. I, oh, oh, I'm <laughs> going to bring Mario up whenever I can, dude. Like, this guy is a stud. I think he's a definite year one impact guy for Oklahoma. Just who he is as a person, as a player. I mean, when he stepped on campus, it sounded like people just sort of rallied around him as a true freshman. And so I'm not going to put it past him to make a ton of big catches in year one at OU. That being said, though, it's going to be pretty difficult when you're that young of a player to work ahead of some of these guys who are more veterans, simple because not only is there a lot of talent in that room, but I think there's also a level of understanding what's at stake for some of these veterans. And so I hope to see Mario Williams on the field a ton and I'm excited about his projection as an Oklahoma football player. But right now, if there really is a gaping hole in terms of who that alpha dog is, Williams could be that guy, man. I'm not going to put it past him. I mean, look, if nothing else, it's it's a guy that is insanely talented to to push the guys above him that, like, if you guys are dropping footballs, this guy is good enough to take your spot. Oh, and he's one of the fastest players on the team already. I mean, he his speed is ridiculous. And so, if anything, if they're looking to chuck a ball deep, why not just throw him in there? Because you probably feel like he can outrun a lot of dudes as a true freshman. So I I'm really excited to see how they utilize him specifically because there are a lot of different places where he would be much further up the depth chart. But I I'm also someone who firmly believes he's going to be towards the top of the depth chart very, very soon. It's just a matter of when and how. So I'm excited to see how those questions are answered by Dennis Simmons and Lincoln Riley and Cale Gundy. And I hope they're answered very soon because again, you have to find who that guy is that you can rely on probably before you go into conference play and you really need to start rolling. You know, as far as pass catchers go, like I, I went into last year saying like Austin Stogner needs 10 targets a game, if, if not more, but like literally there is nobody can match up with that guy. He is a matchup nightmare. He has to be a focus in this offense. He can't just be 
like a, a a role player. I, I think he, he needs to be a guy that has a dedicated portion of the game plan. Um, and look, I may die on this hill, but he'll be like the Roy Finch for me, where everybody's like, how does that guy not get more touches? Like, I will scream that to the end of the season. How does that guy not get more touches? I, I'm 100% with you, and I'll take it a couple of steps further as well. First of all, how good is it to see him on the field ready to go? I mean, obviously, there were some serious question marks regarding his status and his football career in the future, just being able to know that Stogner's going to be out there and he's going to be able to play a lot of football games, hopefully this year, that's a really good sign. Now, if he's healthy and he's at 100%, I would make the argument, this is arguably the freakiest talent in that receiving core, tight end room, whatever you want to say. You are hard-pressed to find someone who's his size, with his athleticism, and his understanding of body utilization anywhere else across the country. If he's going full strength and Oklahoma is willing to get him the football, Stogner has a chance to absolutely explode in 2021. And I think you brought it up. No one is able to guard this guy one-on-one. So you might as well try and get him the ball in that type of situation. And if anyone's going to be able to scheme him into positions like that, it's Lincoln Riley. And then I'll also go another step further. Stogner, let's say he does get banged up or something goes wrong along the way, knock on wood. This tight end room might be one of the more loaded in all of college football. Like, I'm incredibly high on this group, and you mentioned get Stogner the ball way more. I would be banging my fist on the table right next to you saying, just get any one of these guys the ball. These tight ends are really darn good, and they know what they're doing. I think Jeremiah Hall, obviously what he means to the team, but who he was, even at times as like a red zone threat, that's a dude who makes plays for you, and, and you can rely on him to make those catches, right? And then I'm expecting a really big year from Braden Willis as well. I think Willis is a guy who continues to evolve into his own. This was a athletic freak at Arlington Martin back in his high school days, but making those position changes were probably a little bit difficult on him early on. And then some, some nagging injuries here and there. When you look at all three of these dudes together, I think Willis is an athletic freak who's ready for the best year of his career. I think Jeremiah Hall, obviously not only a team captain type of guy, but someone who is very reliable in those key moments. And then Stogner, just one of the more freakish players in all of college football Man, get them the ball. Like, I don't know what else to say, man. Yeah. Skip up to where if you can get them the football, literally any portion of the field, do it. Because I think these three are as good as it gets on the Oklahoma roster. Yeah. Like, I'm calling for it. Dedicated portions of the offense to Austin Stockner. I, I, hope, I hope so, too, like, man. I'm right. You, you don't have really- options on this play. You're throwing the ball to Austin Stockner. Someone's going to have to make a call and get you a headset, man. What can we do about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Million dollar question. Is this the final season for Alex Grinch in Norman, Oklahoma? So I don't want to go on too long of a rant, but I'll just say this. If a one job in Nebraska opens up, there are two phone calls that need to be made by the administration over there. It is to Marcus Freeman, now at Notre Dame, and it is to Alex Grinch, obviously at Oklahoma. And I think... Alex Grinch is waiting for that right job, right? I mean, he, he's not going to leave this type of opportunity and situation for a position that might put him in a struggling to success type of way. Now, that being said, Nebraska would be very interesting considering his Midwest ties and also some of the West Coast things. And Nebraska is very much a program that at its best can probably have a little bit of pull in both those regions. Then you look at like an Arizona State, so on and so forth. I don't know that we know for sure that the job is going to be open that Alex Grinch is going to seize right away. 
I think, again, he's someone who is hoping to find that perfect power five with a level of stability situation that's going to elevate his career and make sure he has that reliability moving forward. But you're also hard-pressed to convince me that he's not going to be one of, if not the top commodity when it comes to the coaching carousel in the spring of the summer. So if I had to give you a yes or no, I think this is his final year, especially if Oklahoma wins the national championship. But if they don't, and if the right job isn't open, then he should wholeheartedly come back. Remember like two or three years ago when we were all having the conversation, like if Oklahoma was just average defensively, like if they're just average, oh. we're not asking too much. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be elite. Just be average. And this team could win a national championship. And he literally took a defense that like in almost every key category that you can find was in the 100s. He took them to a top 10 defense. It's it, the job that he has done is insane. And it's not just from a statistics perspective, right? I mean, when you look at them, this defense from a structural and right. appearance standpoint, they can step on the field with anybody. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, for the first time in a very long time, Oklahoma will not look out of place when they have to go step on the field in the college football playoff. And I think that's huge. And so I, you can't commend the guy enough for what he's done. Also, a ton of credit goes to all those assistant coaches on the defensive side as well. I mean, Roy Manning, Brian Odom, Calvin Thibodeau, Jamar Kane, what he's been able to accomplish in his short amount of time here. I mean, Oklahoma has now elevated itself from both a statistical reputation and I would even add appearance perspective to one of the best in all college football. And that is not something that even seemed possible a couple of years ago. And I think that's just huge to consider. And it's something that gets skimmed over pretty often. And, and obviously, you know, it all starts on the defensive line. And I, I felt like before Ronnie Perkins got back last year, I felt like Isaiah Thomas was the best player, best defensive player in the Big 12. And then from the moment Ronnie Perkins got back till the end of the end of the season, I felt like that was Ronnie Perkins. And obviously, like to go from one of those guys to two of those guys is a massive difference in terms of what you see on a week to week basis. But I mean, the bottom line is when you're disrupting the way that those guys were disrupting the line of scrimmage, it makes everybody's job easier. All 11 guys' job becomes significantly easier because of what those guys were doing from the moment the ball was snapped. I I couldn't agree more, and I would also add this in there. I I felt like, especially in several portions of the early season, Nick Benito was untouchable. He just wasn't getting there. I mean, it felt like, especially in that like Iowa State game, he was in the backfield almost every single snap. He just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so... When you consider now that, sure, they're not going to have Ronnie Perkins, and to me, that is a massive loss, not only because of what he means from a production standpoint, but impact, right? It's so important to me to to know the difference between those two and how Perkins was the perfect combination of both. I think there are a lot of guys in this two-deep or even three-deep who can at least help with the production aspect of things, and now it's on someone up here to take over and make sure that they're consistently that, that guy that's providing the presence that every offense has to be aware of. And I think Benito is a guy. I think definitely Isaiah Thomas is that kind of guy. Jalen Redmond coming back is huge. I mean, this is a guy who a couple of years ago led the team in sacks, was in top three for tackles for loss. And that gets forgotten. And then you add in the fact that a lot of people are thinking he's as good a shape as he's been since he entered the program. And obviously he hasn't been on the field a ton, but that's incredibly encouraging for a guy like that. And then, Perry on Winfrey, Josh Ellison, just the list goes on and on. 
This Wait, group, depth? They have depth on the defensive line? They, not only they have star power, but they have depth? Again, like, I, I, it's shocking, man. I mean, you look at some of these backups, and you're like, man, they could start for other teams. Yeah. When has that ever been the case? I, I just don't even know. So I, I'm really excited about the ceiling for this group. Again, Ronnie Perkins leaving is huge. But this is a defensive line that can be top five, top three, maybe even top two and not number two, if you know what I'm saying. They, Absolutely. They can be really darn good. It's just a matter of how they're going to replace Perkins' presence early on in the season. And I think they have the guys to do that. So Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Perion Winfrey, Jalen Redmond, they're only the top. They're only the surface. If this group as a whole comes together, it's hard to find another group across the country that gets you as excited as you are when you go up and down the step chart. Yeah. And and again, like Alabama is always going to have those guys that like, we don't even know their name yet, but by the end of the year, we're like, that guy's going to be playing on Sundays next season. But in terms of knowns versus unknowns, like Oklahoma has dudes coming back that we know are good, that we've seen play yeah. quality football entering the season. I, I don't know how, uh, I, I don't know how like, you can, everybody's going to have, you know, appreciate different things about like a defensive line, for example. But for my money, there's no way, uh, based on what I know today about that group versus other groups, that I would take any other defensive line than that one. I mean, look, dude, like Clemson's going to have those guys. Alabama's going to have those yeah. guys. You can go down. Georgia's going to have Georgia, those guys. Yeah. I was about to say, Georgia is going to be loaded. It sounds like Florida's defensive line is going to be really good. Just the list goes on and on. But the big thing here is, and I think what we're trying to, to reiterate, for the first time in several years, you can talk about the Oklahoma defensive line and at least the same company. Yeah. I mean, before you even mentioned them in the conversation, you were laughed out of the room. And that's something crazy to think about because it's only been a couple of years under Alex Grinch. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of fun defensive line play this year. Obviously, like Oregon's got a guy who's pretty darn good in his own right. So there's yeah. that. But you go from top to bottom for the first time in a long time, Oklahoma can at least look similar to the Clemsons, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Floridas, whoever you want to discuss. And I think that's, again, why we're talking about this group, this team in that championship light, because as the saying goes, games are won and lost on the line of scrimmage. Well, this group can win a couple of them at least. All right. What is your biggest question mark for this defense? For me, so I'll say this. I'm really excited about the linebacker group. I, I think the linebackers, it's got to be between those two groups, right? The linebackers and the secondary Either you don't feel so great about one or the other. This linebacker group to me is as deep again as we've seen at Oklahoma. I don't even know if Oklahoma's linebacking core in the past had gone more than three deep. You know what I mean? Now we're talking about six guys, maybe maybe seven, who can step onto the field and win you some football games. Like Brian Osamoa, Deshaun White, Caleb Kelly, David Uwebu, they're all really good football players. But then I think Danny Stutzman and Shane Witter are going to be hard to keep off the field. Like I think those two young cats are going to be really darn good. So I'm very excited about this linebacking core, not only because of the depth like we're talking about, but who's coaching them, right? I mean, Brian Odom is steadily increasing his reputation as one of the top linebacking coaches in all college football. Now, I would also shift over to the secondary. The secondary is the question mark for me, but probably not in the way that people would anticipate, right? When you talk about the question marks, you're, you're discussing, oh, this could be the worst unit on – or this could be the worst group on the unit. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think there are a lot of really darn good football players in the back end for OU. I think that a lot of these guys are headed for some of their best seasons yet. But the key for me is, 
who's going to be that alpha dog like we talked about the receiving core? I mean, who's going to be that top guy, the dude that you can feel like can lock down a portion of the field or at least take away wherever he is standing? Whether that's man, zone, whatever you're asking these guys to do, someone on that field, someone in the back end has to give you that reliability and shutdown capability that is found across several other defenses in college football. And so I look at the candidates. I think that they're there. Woody Washington is a guy to me who played a lot of good football last year. DJ Graham, whenever he came in, probably around the Baylor game from then on, showed some really promising signs. I think he's going to be a special player in the years to come. Obviously, when we look at like the nickel spot, Jeremiah Cordell and that Billy Bowman kid who's coming in, who I, you know that I love. <laughs> yeah, they, they got dudes, man. And then those safeties in the back end, yes, they got DeLaren Turner-Yell and they've got Pat Fields, who I think are, are, are good football players in their own right. Then you got Key Lawrence, who's providing depth at several of these positions. And so you you know that you have the guys, right? You know that there's talent in place. But who's going to be the one that stands out among the crowd? Because typically that dude who does gives whichever team he's on the opportunity to go compete for a championship. If you're able to change your schemes up and just trust that someone on that field and that secondary is going to be able to shut down whatever portion of the field that he's on, that does a lot for you, especially when you feature a defensive line like this as well. So that's why for me, I'm keeping my eyes on the secondary. And like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, losing Trey Brown and Trey Norwood is not easy, but it does not get talked about enough because I think there's a lot of trust within some of these young guys on the depth chart. Well, the trust is good, but who can be the guy that you trust the most, I yeah. think is the key. And so I hope to, I hope, to see someone emerge as that guy very soon. I think we certainly saw those two guys get better last year, but I, I think it's also a valid question to ask, like, was the secondary's improvement last year because those guys were just actually better across the board, or was it because what they were being asked to do was significantly easier? Again, going back to the defensive line and the disruption and, you know, not having to cover for as long. I mean, it, you know, it, it all just kind of breaks down in a way where, like, I think if you want to make the case that that like that group was drastically better because of the defensive line, like I'm I, I'm not disputing you. Um, I I think we did see like better technique across the board from those guys in the secondary last year than we had seen like in a in like a decade. It kind of felt like, but uh, at the same time, like I my worry about this secondary this year, if it were two years ago. I think it's a red flag like because there's a lot of inexperience. And while I like the individual ability of basically everybody back there at this point, like the job that they were being asked to do two years ago versus the job they're being asked to do this year is is night and day. And like I'm confident about that group. I think they may have some struggles early again because there's so much youth and part of that's just going to be inexperience and, you know, probably some communication issues at times. Again, stuff that happens with young, inexperienced players. But I think by the midway point, we're, we're going to be fine on the back end. And, and uh, it's, it's just, it's not one of those things that I'm, I know it's a question mark for sure, but it's not one of those things where I'm like red flag, look out for those guys. Cause again, I just think the defense is so good that those guys don't have nearly the same weight on their shoulders as the secondaries had for a long, long time. And, and I think we're both in agreement there. I, yeah. Again, that it, it, this isn't a group that really raises the red flag, but I also look, I mean, like you, you brought up some really good points. It's also a group that wasn't as tested as other secondaries were for Oklahoma in years past, if that makes sense. Right. Not only because of 
like you mentioned, the defensive line group was so darn good and took a lot of pressure off their shoulders. But I would also argue that a season ago, especially down the stretch, this secondary was not normally as tested from a passing game perspective as some other Big 12 offenses have provided to Oklahoma secondaries in the past. I mean, you look at the last couple of games for Oklahoma, they got what, Texas Tech and Henry Columbia? Come on. <laughs> Kansas, who they beat 62-9. to nine. Yeah. Oklahoma State, who throws in Illingworth, who was the equivalent of a statue, which made Ronnie Perkins' life a lot easier, if you remember that game. Baylor, garbage offense. Iowa State, uh, and then obviously Florida, where they had to make a quarterback change. Yeah. Like, they, I don't know. I think that there are still definite question marks regarding the secondary, but it's not a concern, if right. that makes sense. No, I, There's I a big agree completely. The, and so I think that those questions will be answered. And like you mentioned, it will be continuously answered as the year goes on. And I, again, I, I, I would also argue that they haven't had this level of talent back there in a long time. When we talk about Woody Washington, DJ Graham, so on and so forth. Yeah. Like Justin Harrington and Jaden Davis are sitting there waiting like yeah. a cornerback. Those are two guys who can emerge real quick. And so I'm excited about that group. I just want to see who leads it. And that's why I think it's the question mark for me. All right, who are, uh, we've mentioned like Billy Bowman and Mario Williams, who are freshmen, oh, I hit the mute button, who are freshmen that you think could potentially get opportunities and take advantage of those opportunities this year? Yeah, Billy Bowman off the top. I I fully expect this guy to be the starter at Nickelback going into the year, and I'm also expecting him to make some plays on special teams at some point, because I'm pretty sure we talked about it during the, the signing day podcast, I have been at several Billy Bowman, Dan Ryan football games, okay? And on several different occasions, I can't emphasize this enough, on several different occasions, it felt like he scored in all three aspects of the game. (laughs) I don't even know how you do that. Like, even just to make that feel like you did it, I don't even know how that happens. It happens on create a player in NCAA football, right? Exactly. It's when you have all the sliders down or up. Like, you're cheat code at that point, and... It's also fascinating to me because he was on a Denton Ryan squad that won the state championship for the first time in years because of all the talent that was on that roster. But of all the talent in that depth chart, he was arguably the best player. And so Billy Bowman, what he showed in flashes and during the spring game and then what he's been able to build over the offseason, I think this guy is going to be starting a nickel and play several snaps. And I, I have a hard time seeing him as someone who you want to take off the field, if that makes sense. So I'm excited about his ceiling as a true freshman coming in, Mario Williams is another guy who obviously I think the world of, I I think this guy's been a really darn good football player in the years to come. And again, he's probably going to get a lot of meaningful snaps right now. The the other interesting aspect of this to me though, and I I don't want to go too long on it, but it's, it's kind of a, a conversation I had with one of my coworkers the other day of that 2021 group and all these guys that we're talking about, Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Billy Bowman, Clayton Smith at the rushbacker spot, so on and so forth. Guys who are getting put in some lists. Man, Savion Bird gets forgetting about a lot. Like, people absolutely forget about this guy, and he's already seemingly on the right track. And so when we talk about the question mark that is the offensive line group, and I would argue in comparison to the secondary, it's far more of a question. If things go wrong, if injuries take place, if the tackle position still isn't settled, like Savion Bird, it might be a guy that you can trust early on in the process, which is crazy to think about, considering that's a guy who at one point was playing defensive tackle for Duncanville. <laughs> like he hasn't been playing offensive tackle his entire career. 
So that's another aspect of this that I'm really fascinated to follow. The offensive line being what it is and what it has to be down the line. If Savion Bird is receiving the praise that he is currently, is he going to be asked to to prove it come the fall? I I wouldn't put it past this group, and I wouldn't put it past Bill Beanbow to put a younger guy in there if he can play. And so I'm excited about some of those guys that I'm mentioning, and I think that they at some point might have an impact on the season overall. Somebody right now, well, two somebodies. There's one guy right now is saying, like, you got to talk about special teams. And then somebody else is like, please don't talk about the kicker. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it, I, I would say generally if you don't talk about it, that mean, that's a good thing. Like, it's, it's not a concern, so, like, you don't really give it any time. But I, I think Oklahoma's in a good position also from that, that front. Yeah, look, Gabe Burkish coming back is big, right? Like, he... He is at least one of the top two kickers in college football. And that is known because, like you mentioned, he's typically not talked about. Like, if he, this guy was not good at his job, we talk about him all the time. Yeah. But he's one of the best in all college football, so you really only talk about him when he's showing his mustache during the media session. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Gabe Burkish is going to be a stud, man. And that's another guy who, when you think about how this season is going to play out, if Oklahoma's offense struggles out of the gate, let's say that offensive line doesn't gel or Spencer Rowler, those receivers are still trying to build some chemistry. I mean, he can hit you from 40 yards, 50 yards out, which is not something that you typically see in college football. I'm excited about his trajectory. And then I will say this punting was not very good. Like, I don't even know that that was a sentence I was ever going to say in my time covering college football or covering Lincoln Riley. I know, right? Like, how often are you criticizing the punting? Yeah. But I thought it was something that you could criticize. But going out and getting Michael Turk from Arizona State, it's a big deal, man. He's he's a guy with verifiable stats that indicate he's one of the better punters in college football. And so when you add him to Gabe Burkich, like, even the special teams is really darn good. So, like, that's why we're talking about this team in the national championship light because yeah. – even the one aspect that gets ridiculed if you mess up probably isn't going to see a bunch of mess ups. If anything, they might be a highlight if they're even on the field. So I'm excited about those two, man, and they'll be a definite luxury for Oklahoma moving forward. Well, I, I mean, if, if you're seeing a lot of those guys, then obviously, like we talked about, the questions with the offensive line have not gone in the positive direction. And, and look, I, I think over the last two years, you know, there's going to be somebody that says like, look at the look at the rushing stats. Like Oklahoma's been a really good rushing team, but I feel like for two years it's been a question mark as to whether or not they can run the football when everybody knows they need to run the football. Right? It's it's not can you run for a hundred yards or can you run for two hundred yards in a game. It's when you need a yard and the other team knows you need a yard on third and one. Can you get that yard? That's what separates a good rushing football team from a great rushing football team, right? Like when Alabama needs a yard, they everybody in the building knows they're going to hand the ball off and they're going to get that yard. Like can Oklahoma get to that point? Because I feel like for two years, that's been a, it's been a coin flip. I, I, I haven't felt necessarily confident that they've been that team uh, for two seasons. I mean, ask Eric Gray. Yeah. Everyone in the stadium knew he was getting the ball and he transferred. Like how many players, you know, in college football, get the ball as many times as a guy like Eric Gray and are like, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Like it's because of that offensive line and it's because how important it is to establish yourself in the run game and the line of scrimmage because in the passing game, you can bail yourself out a lot, whether your quarterback is mobile, whether you scheme things up correctly. And luckily for Oklahoma, they've got guys in Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley who know how to avoid some question marks on the offensive line. 
But when you all got to go downhill and Kennedy Brooks got to get into his gallop, someone's got to create the separation, man. Someone's got to push. And so I think that's the biggest thing is, and it's a great point by you, how Oklahoma is able to assert itself in the running game, regardless of running back depth concerns, is one of the more important aspects of this season because if they are unable to, two of your best playmakers might just be zeroed out. And then what do you do from there? Are you asking Spencer Rattler to throw slants the entire day? I, I just don't think that's very fun. So the run game is very fascinating in the long run from both the running back and offensive line side of things. And if it doesn't go well, we're circling back to these special teamers as they're probably punting and kicking the ball a whole bunch. Amen, brother. Uh, look, I know we are both excited that it's finally game week. And, uh, I, dude, I always love talking football with you, man. Uh, it's always fun, dude. Hopefully we can do this again very, very soon. I have a blast, and Oklahoma fans should be pumped, man. It's finally football time in Norman, Oklahoma. Absolutely. He is Colin Kennedy, OU 24-7 Sports, covering the Sooners and recruiting analyst, and you can find him at OUinsider.com. Colin, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks, brother. Okay, it's over.